Welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 17, where we will be getting real about body image and self-talk with our guest, Allison Long. Today we have sort of a girl's day. I'm very excited to introduce Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi. And I know Allison from Club Pilates. I met her about a year ago, so we spend lots of hours a week together. And I just think she is one of the most positive people that I know and very encouraging to a lot of the members at Club Pilates. So I wanted to invite her in to talk a little bit more about ourselves and our body image and, you know, some of the struggles that we have as well. Yeah. So, Allison, will you tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, kind of like what do you do at Club Pilates, what is Club Pilates, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Christy, for saying all that nice stuff about me. I am from Chicago, a Chicago suburb, actually, for all the people that are going to say. Schaumburg's not Chicago. It's 45 (laughs) minutes outside of the city. I typically tell people in Pittsburgh it's the cranberry of Chicago, because it's like just that first suburb kind of thing. I grew up as a dancer since I was two years old, and I Mm. never stopped, did that my whole life, knew that it's something I wanted to do with my life. Then, you know, fast forward, graduated high school, went to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and majored in dance. Um, I have my BFA in dance, and I actually started Pilates there. Oh, awesome. So at this point, I've been doing Pilates for six years. I think that's correct. Okay. Six years. And I knew that in my lifetime, I wanted to be an instructor. So my last year of college, it was the last quarter, like it was spring break of my senior year of college. And I came back and I was having this hip pain in my left hip, went to the doctor. They thought I fractured my hip. They Mm. thought I did all this stuff. Long story short, I ended up with a labrum tear and needed that repaired. So I was graduating from college with a BFA in dance. And And you couldn't dance. And I couldn't dance. Yeah. So we'll I talk about up, being trapped in your head, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I ended up getting, I graduated April 29th. I had my hip surgery on June 1st wow. of that wow. same year. When I found out I needed the hip surgery, I knew that I wanted to kind of like fast track to grad school, which is how I ended up in Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, and as soon as I was cleared to start doing things again, which was in January of 2018, I started immediately looking into Pilates instructor certification. Mm. That's how I found Club Pilates. They were just opening, like we met a year ago, so... Actually, a year ago next weekend was my first teacher training weekend. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So we met, like, right at the same time of... Yeah. yeah. So now I... Um, at that time, I had 100 jobs. But now I teach <laughs> Pilates. I'm an office manager at a dance studio. I teach dance to children and teenagers 3 to 18. And then also I have adult programs there. And... Uh, office manager. I was going to mention that because you do work with so many people across the lifespan. So you do have a lot of influence, especially with kids. We talk about being good role models and teaching people to think positively about their bodies. And that's why I love Club Pilates because the range of people there is just amazing. There's people in their 70s, probably pushing 80, that are just really focused on being their best selves. And it's a very good environment to support one another. I remember for myself, when I went through my divorce, I needed to get energy out. So it wasn't about losing weight at that time. So I did spinning. And now I would never be caught dead in a cycling (laughs) class. It's not my thing anymore. But I really needed to do that. And then I sort of transitioned to going to the gym. And when that started to become work, I was like, I need to find Mm -hmm. something that really motivates me because I would go into the gym and it was just you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. worried about their body image and they're taking Mm -hmm. selfies in the bathroom and Mm -hmm. posting all these pictures. And I was like, this isn't really the thing. And when Club Pilates opened, I have my certificate in Pilates instructor as well. 
And that was the one thing I was doing at LA Fitness. I was still going to the gym in order to take this Pilates class, but I was driving really far. And when I went to Club Pilates, they have all the bells and whistles. And, you know, you're laying down on a reformer taking a cardio class, which is amazing. And you're still (laughs) really getting um, a good workout. And at the same time, I mentioned to Allison before, I think that not looking at people is a good thing in some of those classes because we're really focused on our breath. We're focused on how we're moving our bodies. And that's really... Yeah, just really focused on yourself. Yeah, yeah. And not, you know... not being judgmental towards ourselves, I think is the biggest struggle that I've had. And I know Allison has worked with a lot of people. I know that she can probably speak to that a little bit. Well, and I think it's so important what you were talking about, about not only doing something in terms of movement that you actually enjoy, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think so Mm -hmm. many of us think of exercise as a punishment for Mm -hmm. either ourselves or our bodies or something that we quote unquote have to do because of a way that we ate or a way that we didn't move or, you know, so for some reason, because I did this thing, now I have to exercise. And so we get into this mental space where we don't enjoy it. It's not something that you like to do. And if you do, then somehow we think that well, then it doesn't count or it Mm -hmm. doesn't Mm -hmm. have the same impact. And so like what you were talking about, how Christy, you've moved through different types of exercise. And I've experienced that too, in that, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. Like, I think I felt like I had to do some sort of like running or biking and that was working out. Like that was exercise. I I had to walk on a treadmill. I had to, you know, ride a stationary bike or something like Mm -hmm. that. And hated it. Well, I think shifting focus from losing weight to really taking the time to be with yourself, to move your body Mm because your body really needs it. Yeah. So I actually have very similar experiences and being a fitness instructor, a lot of people wouldn't guess that because, you know, you're teaching fitness, especially group fitness. And (laughs) so you have the best body image, right? (laughs) Right. I have the best body image. It's always positive. Mm -hmm. But I started to feel that way about dance in college. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, it was work. It was class. I had to go. I I used this language that I've been working on now, but using hads and should, and I have to go do this. I can't eat this. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do this. All those things. And it made such a negative impact on me and my body image because it was like, well, I should look like her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't look like her because I'm eating things I shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. So I have to go to the gym more to burn that off. That's how, did that, how did that work out for you? <laughs> yeah. Not great. <laughs> Not great. I ended up with hip surgery at age 22. So. <laughs> so when I was introduced to Pilates in college, that kind of started my flip of mm-hmm. thinking about it. Cause I was mm-hmm. into fitness from a very young age. Like I, I mean, I think dance has a lot to do with that. And we talked about the culture of dance and how a yeah. lot of negative things can come from that. Mm-hmm. I work with a client who was a former dancer and she said that when she was working out all the time and having 25 hours of dance, she was eating whatever she wanted. And then yeah. when she wasn't doing that anymore, it was, oh, now I think that I'm fat and I'm hideous because exactly. I don't look the way that I did. And right. that language that we use with ourselves, it's just extremely negative. I'm sure you mm-hmm. hear that often. Yeah. I started out working in the fitness industry, working the desk at this gym called Blast Fitness, which I don't even know if it exists anymore. It was one of those like $10 a month and there's tanning and there's a sauna and you know, all that stuff. And I think it started in Boston or something like that. But anyway, I worked there and I worked the front desk when it was opening and then there was a bunch of personal trainers. So I would get 
a whole bunch of tips from them, which was also interesting to see because our front desk was like right when you walked in and across from the front desk was the personal training desks. Mm. So when they would have their one-on-ones with clients, I would hear all the things that people said. Very interesting to hear, like, there was this one person who thought, okay, so my my personal trainer is telling me I can only have 1,200 calories a day or whatever it is. Well, if I get a Big Mac and a McFlurry, that's what I can eat. I'll just have that for a day. And, like, totally believing that that was exactly that right. That all calories are the same. All calories yeah. are the same. And it started opening my mind to that. So yeah. I had this, like, heavy gym influence going into college, and I like to lift, and I like to run, and I like to do all this stuff. And I was dancing... I was in two dance companies, cheerleading, and a dance company in school. So, like, I was... So, you were always an overachiever. Yeah. I was always doing a hundred (laughs) things. So, when I started doing Pilates, and it was all focused on taking it slow, think about the muscles you're activating, Mm. you know? This, your your quad is going to want to activate here, but focus on your glutes, focus on your hamstrings, try and stretch out the front of your legs. I was like whoa, you could take things slow and still feel it. You don't Mm. need to be deadlifting Mm -hmm. 100 pounds to get a good butt. It it just blew my mind. I had a click on that one. You know, like you're doing the butt, uh, the bicycle, like uh, sit up thing. And I would always like do it so fast to do it. And the first time in a Pilates class where we just really took it as slow as like even slower than you possibly could. Oh my gosh, my abs the next day. <laughs> I was like, that really works. Yeah. And you don't have to kill yourself and you don't have to be pushing yourself to the limit. I mean, we, our classes are like 50 minutes and it goes by instantly. So we double up a lot, a lot of the time. I get a question. I get questions all the time when we do our intros. They're like, is this something that I can only do like twice a week? I'm like, honestly, you could take this four times a day and your body's going to be okay because mm-hmm. it's meant to correct issues. It's meant to help with preventing surgeries. There's mm. studies with Pilates for osteoporosis um, that have women have gained like an inch or two, which is unheard of, yeah. you know, because it's all about correcting ailments and things that we've done to our body by overworking them. Mm. Speaking of intro sense. classes, what kinds of questions do you get from people? Are these people that are already working out or they're looking for a place to start? It really varies, actually. So like you said, we have, I think at North Hills, the main location I'm at, we have people into their 70s and 80s. But in Hampton, there's a 90-something-year-old that goes. Oh, my gosh. And I think our youngest client currently is 16. Mm. So that is a wide range of people coming. So there's also a wide range of, like, fitness levels and knowledge. Um, I have a lot of people that say, I've hate, I hate working out. I've always hated it. I'm going to give this a shot and see if I like it. Yeah. Because I get to lay down. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you get to take it slow and you have someone telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we That's the best part for me. And also, yeah. I find at Club Pilates, you have to sign up for classes because there's only 12 spots in a class and they have a, a wide range of different kind of classes. They're not all the same. That accountability p- piece for me is huge because if you don't show up, they charge you and they should yeah. because that's a spot that you're holding from right. somebody else. But it kills me how often I'm making excuses and this is something that I love. Mm. So I think that maybe a lot of people listening are struggling with how do I make that commitment to myself? Because if I don't have somebody holding me accountable, I'm not doing this for myself. Well, and yeah. in my situation, I don't I don't go to Club Pilates because I don't <laughs> live close to where that is I'm in the Pittsburgh area. But what I have found for myself that I really love to do is dance fitness because I do yeah. love to dance and I also love to lift weights. But that is something that, like, just what you were talking about, Allison, about how, like, for you, you realized that you could do Pilates and get the same kind of results and the same kind of, like, feeling good in your body or being able to work your body Mm -hmm. without having to overwork it. I found that in, like, not having 
having to kill myself with cardio yeah. or not have yeah. that I could turn to weights, which I ended up loving. Yeah. Yeah. And I could be like, in the same sense, I don't have to do a million of these things or all of these different kinds of exercises. Or like you said, Christy, it's a 50 minute class. That's okay. Like I can just do this. Yeah. Where I go, we don't have to reserve spots, so there isn't that kind of accountability. But I have made really great connections with the people that come because it's the same kind of community it sounds like you guys have at Club Pilates Mm -hmm. where it's like very welcoming. It's very open. You're always welcome. It's very body positive. It's very much like Mm -hmm. we're accepting you for who you are. Doesn't matter what you look like. We're not focused here on weight loss or anything like that. We're really just focusing on are you feeling good? Are you having a good time? Are you enjoying the time that you're here? Mm -hmm. And because of the people that I've made connections with, people are always asking like, are you coming to class? Are you coming to class? Yes. Are you coming to class? (laughs) So that has become for me some of that accountability. Mm -hmm. And I find myself sad when I can't. I'm like, oh, I actually can't go to class tonight. Or, oh, I'm going to miss that. And I'm really disappointed that I'm not going to go work out. I know. <laughs> Alice has never been a part of who I was for the majority of my life. Allison teaches a control class, which is kind of like bar, if people are familiar with that. And then it's followed by a stretching, uh, what's it called? I forget. Uh, center and balance. Center and balance, a stretching class. So like, for those two hours, I'm like, oh man, I need to reschedule a couple of things. Right. Or finish How up. am I going to fit that in? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I find myself like, I actually put that those times in my schedule. And I think mm-hmm. you, you know, in talking with Christy, since she started going to Club Pilates, I hear that she's doing that too. She's like, well, I can't meet at this time to do the podcast stuff because I have to go to Pilates. Mm-hmm. And I have, and it's like, get it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so important because when you find a way to move your body that you love, make it a priority. That is such a good part of self-care and your overall wellness, you know, making you a priority. Your relationship with yourself is so important that when you love that, make it a priority. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that, you know, you have one hour. It's it's a 50-minute class. You know, you take 10, 15 minutes to get there, 10, 15 minutes to get back. So overall time, hour to an hour and a half, right? And that's for you. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. only for you, whether you have like, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm 24, I don't have kids, I don't have a boyfriend, I don't have a husband, I don't have, you know, I don't have a lot of things that control my extraneous circumstances. Mm-hmm. But for other people that have kids and have husbands and have jobs that require them to be there from nine to five, this is one hour that you get to take for yourself and yeah. your relationship to your mind, to your mm-hmm. health, to like mentally and physically and for your body, you know? I think that that is, and yoga and Pilates are kind of similar, and dance, like all of this, Mm -hmm. is what are we saying in our head while we're going through this? Yes, thank you. Talk about that, because I was just going to say that. I think that um, in yoga classes, especially this comes up, I have had people come up to me after, and they were like... I'm so impressed with what I did, but I the whole entire time I was judging myself. I was mm. saying I can't move this way. I can't do that. And all mm. of this language, like I can't do it. I'm struggling. I think that people, as you're starting to look at what might work for you, it's important to think about what are the thoughts that you're having while that's happening? Because we've talked before about it being automatic and we don't even think about it. And when you stop mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm judging myself. And if I look to the person next to me, like, I'm so proud of her. I would never say that to her. But here I am, like, just Mm -hmm. being very judgmental. Do you find that 
often in your teaching or in your practice? All the time. I mean, in all aspects of my life. It's actually one of the things that I'm working on in therapy right now is the the feeling of being guilty or shameful Mm. or judging myself. And one of what helps me as my therapist will be like, I feel like you're shaming yourself for making this choice. She's like, okay, so if your mom were to tell you she was doing that, what would you say? I was like, I would tell her she's a rock star, you know? Absolutely. And it's that... that I tell people that all day long. I do. (laughs) Yeah. It's the best way to check yourself is to say, just like you said, Christy, too, like if you're in class and you're saying all these things to yourself, maybe you are seeing yourself in a mirror, you know, or you are working out alone and you're just looking at yourself in the mirror and beating yourself up. Would you be saying that to anyone else? Or if someone else said those words to you yeah would you tolerate that right if someone right. else came up to you and was like you're fat and ugly would and you be like you're yes. right i accept that no i mean maybe sometimes yes but for the most part i think we'd be like um excuse me that's inappropriate don't yeah. say that to me right but we say those things to ourselves we're so harsh All and critical the time. of ourselves and in therapy with a lot of people that i work with i feel like they see themselves and say once i lose this amount of weight I'll be good. Mm. And then the diet culture, get, oh my gosh, we could go on for days about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, because people that I work with that are, whether it's the keto diet or Weight Watchers or whatever, it's something that you are restricting yourself from having. Yes. And again, trading food for exercise and all yeah. of these messages that people feel like they need in order to beat themselves up, in order to be them be- their best selves. It's a very vicious cycle. And if you just stopped and you were more compassionate with yourself and forgiving of yourself, you might make better choices that yeah. then lead to the outcome. I think in our society, we want the outcome first. Well, and that's what, like we were talking about in the last podcast about those, if I do this, then I will like myself. <laughs> and it's those expectations mm-hmm. that we set. So what we're saying is I can't like myself. I can't accept myself until this future thing happens. So we're not accepting and loving of ourselves in this moment. And how are we going to get anywhere mm-hmm. if we're not able to say this moment hey, maybe I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I need to be okay with who I am in this moment. I don't have to stay this person. I don't have to stay in this moment. I don't have to keep thinking the way that I'm thinking or feel the way that I'm thinking. But to say I'm not going to like myself or I'm not going to love myself or I'm not okay unless fill in the blank yeah, mm-hmm. is setting ourselves up for just failure forever to never accept yourself and to never like yourself. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside if you don't find that way to really connect with yourself on the inside. And quite honestly, changing your lifestyle like that is a lot of work. Oh, yeah. The, the amount of time that people <sighs> consume over, like, what am I eating now? What am I going to eat? Like, how am I going to do? It really is yeah. so time-consuming. Very. With you being in school, Allison, with other dancers, and, I mean, did you find that yourself and with the other people in, like, your classes and stuff? How consuming was that? I mean, very in different ways. And I kind of feel this way about all fitness workplaces. Like I said, I've worked in a bunch of them. It becomes very all-consuming because it's almost like high school. It's the only thing you have to focus on. You know, it's the only thing people are talking about. They're constantly talking about what your ballet professor said or Mm. what meal they're eating. I'm going to treat myself to go get Chinese food tonight. Um, I'm going to splurge. And it's also the language that's used yes. talking mm-hmm. about food. I'm going to have a cheap meal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not like... I'm just going to go eat some food. Right. <laughs> I'm right. going to nourish I my need, body. I need mm-hmm. to fuel my body. Right. And it became oftentimes in college a, almost a competition in the sense that... Mm. 
oh, I haven't even eaten breakfast yet today. I haven't eaten this. I've only eaten 300 calories, you oh, know? Oh, like a proud mm-hmm. check me out Almost kind of like how people will be like, yeah. I worked 300 hours this week. And you're like, that's not healthy. Right? Yeah. You know? Or keeping, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Allison, keeping a list. I've had um, clients in the past say, well, I would write down the foods that I ate and sort of like keeping a checklist on themselves almost. Well, that's oh. not only that, but like I did Weight Watchers numerous times. They require, that's part of the plan yeah. is you yeah. track everything that you're eating. And it's hard because like we have to find a balance in things. And mm-hmm. so for some people it's beneficial for other people it's triggering, right? Like yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to, to kind of find that balance between what works for you. For me now, writing and tracking down my food is extremely triggering mm. because it became obsessive. Yeah. And it took me away from my family. Like you said, it's like mm-hmm. we just become all consuming. And I was so focused on weighing my food and what I was eating and tracking yeah. it that my husband was like, are you going to come sit down and eat dinner with us? And I was like, can you please wait? I have to, <laughs> I have to weigh my croutons for my salad. Right. Like literally. And he yeah. was just like, oh, and I would, they and would measuring. be done eating and I would f- sit down to eat and like completely miss out. And right. It, it got to the point where it does. It's so consuming. It's so consuming. And it becomes that idea of what I'm going to eat next or when I'm mm-hmm. going to eat next and not in the like exciting way. Not in no. a good way. Or I not can't go way. and cook a meal with my friend. I know people that are on the keto diet right now and saying like, yeah, I can't really come out and like there's not much for me to order from the menu. So I'm just like eating a bunch of wings. I'm like, how is that even? How is that good? So like, you drop your... a lot of weight, but is that good for your internal right. yeah. body? No. I'm actually, so I mentioned before we started that I'm doing beach body right now. Yeah. Um, and I did it in college. I did the PIO program and I like, I enjoyed it, but mm. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't something that I was super passionate about, but I'm doing the 80 day obsession right now. And it comes with a nutrition and a workout plan. It comes mm. with a calendar and, you know, you're in a, a, I guess, challenge group or accountability group oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to stay on track with things. And that most of the time when I've used my fitness pal or wrote down words of what I'm eating or, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. it hasn't helped me. Mm-hmm. In this nutrition plan, they give you like the color coded containers. If you've done 21 day fix, like those right. ones where mm-hmm. it has like green is veggies, purple's fruit. And then it gives you each meal that you're allotted for the day. And so what I've done is I meal prep and I put my one green and my one purple. So it's like all in the container and it's a full meal and I'm eating more than I've ever eaten in my life. Mm. And I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I did my fitness pal, I hated it. I was yeah. looking and constantly being like, oh, my macros are off. I'm right. eating too less. I always ate too few calories. And that killed me. And it mm-hmm. wasn't that I was trying to necessarily. It's just that I was only eating when I was hungry and I wasn't being mindful about what I was putting in my body. You know, so if I had, if I was hungry and I had a Snickers bar, I would be like, okay, well, that was enough calories for one meal. Right. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good job. That's it. Then you stop. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just letting myself eat the pasta, yeah. you know, eat all the pasta. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think more often than not, I've had the same experience either myself or with other people that I've worked with is that we eat not enough. Yeah. We don't eat enough food. We don't eat enough food to nourish our body. And so our body doesn't know what to do with the little amount of food. That so we it hangs on to it. Yeah. So Very it hangs on to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We also then, like, I know people who are like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, build muscle. I'm like, well, you have to feed your muscles. Like, yeah. you, if you mm-hmm. starve yourself, you're not going to 
be able to do and get what, you know, the result that you're trying to get. And more often than that, I even notice that about myself sometimes. It's like, I don't think I've eaten enough food today. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to know that mentally and then have that like voice inside of you that's like, are you crazy? <laughs> you are you so saying many you calories. Want, you <laughs> so much food today. Don't, don't try to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a constant battle. Yeah. Allison, you use the word that I want to hone in on being mindful mm-hmm. because people talk about that a lot but are we really doing it Mm. so we're super distracted all the time with you know our phones and our apps and whatever like if you have children you're rushing around with Mm -hmm. your kids and you're not really stopping to think okay what is it that I really want right now or I need right now so oftentimes I hear people say well I pushed myself to the limit and all of a sudden I'm starving and then I ate a ton of food really quickly and then Mm -hmm. I felt horrible afterwards and I'm beating myself up and Now I'm going to starve myself for the next, you know, 12 hours or whatever. So, Allison, if you could talk really quickly about how you start your classes, because I think that it's very telling to, like, you know, when we transition in life, like when we're coming to work or when Mm -hmm. we're sitting down to eat. So if you could touch on that. I start with a breathing exercise. Every class I start, and it's usually four breaths. Mm -hmm. And we start with just, like, an inhale through the nose and an exhale through the mouth you know, starting that and filling up your lungs. I always say filling up your lungs like a big balloon. That's yes. my that's my word. <laughs> and I like can't get that phrase out of my head, but that's okay. But it's a great visual too. It is. It really does help people to see that and try to get that feeling. Yeah. And actually the way I started that was because someone told me to like really breathe in and they're like, no, blow up your belly. And I, I didn't want to mm-hmm. because you don't want to blow your belly mm-hmm. out, right? It makes you not yeah. look thin. It doesn't give your mm-hmm. six pack or whatever you want. Yeah. So I started saying that because it's so important to really like think about filling your whole body with air yeah. and then letting it all go so you cycle through. Mm. And then the last two breaths we talk about like softening your chest bone, letting your ribs come in and then your lower abs in and up to start setting your torso organization is what it's called in Pilates. Um, and I always say to center yourself in the room today. I'm like let's leave whatever's at the door. Mm-hmm. We're here now. Let's take a second, find our breath, we're here, yeah. and then let's start. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, all right, let's go. We're <laughs> gonna let's start going to start squatting. Yes. Yeah. You know? No, that's so important mm-hmm. because just like you said, we're just always on the go. And to have a place where you can really pull in that focus, like you said, Allison, even if it's only for an hour once a week, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like, hey, whatever, whatever you can do, whatever you're willing to carve out for yourself and to maybe find a place that, Makes Provide, you feel that way. Yeah, makes you feel that way and provides that for you. Yeah, because it does start to leak into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And there's totally. all different kinds of exercise, like Gretchen, you were talking about lifting weights and doing dance. Club Pilates also partners. There's a new, it's called The Row House. So Allison and I have taken some classes there, and it's so much fun. I can't. I know. Just, I can't wait to take Gretchen there. But um, it's like everybody's rowing together and everybody's cheering each other on, and you're really like pushing like your maximum. And I think that that's so important to find the people in your life that are going to motivate you in a positive way. Community. Yes. 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 Even yes. if they're only people that you see when you go to work out. Yeah. And that's yes. exactly how like where I go to take my fitness classes. Some dance, some we do toning with weights, some we do like floor work. Mm-hmm. I also have taken Pio, which I love, yeah, yeah. and like all of that kind of stuff. In And having not just an instructor or the person who's leading the class, but the people who are coming to the class with you mm-hmm. and how they are supporting one another is so important. Yeah. 
actually, when you started talking in the beginning of this podcast about cycling and how that's how you started getting your energy out, I tried cycling. I think I took five classes and I just hated it. Like, I just couldn't get into it. I've never even taken a class. Just the sound of it (laughs) makes me want to be like, well, it makes your butt hurt a lot. Yeah, (laughs) it makes your butt hurt. terrible. And my quads hurt. And it just... It was something that I dreaded going to. So Yeah. You never want to have that. And I know, like, yeah. for myself, I was on the swim team and I ran track in high school. And so I never had to think about, you Cody. know, what I ate until I went to college. And I was, like, not really working out very much. Mm-hmm. And then in my 20s, my ex-husband and I were not into fitness together. And so that was nothing that was really important to me then. And then, like I said, when I went through my separation, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to get all this energy out. And then I was like, hey... Moving my body actually makes me feel really good. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy how so that works. crazy. Like, I had such a hard time connecting that. That, like, I knew that if I went out to the club or we went out dancing, I had so much fun. And I felt so good after. But I couldn't connect that that was the same kind of movement that you could do. And it it is exercise. And so right. for myself, I actually try not to use the word exercise, mm-hmm. even with the people that I'm working with, because... So many people have such a negative connotation that's connected with that word. Mm -hmm. So I talk about how can you move your body in a way that you enjoy that makes you feel good. Because once I realized that and made that connection of like, wait a minute. I can actually move it in a way that I like. Yeah. And this is good for me. Right. Like, I mean, technically this is exercise, but this is really fun. And what an important message for kids that that is. Allison, can you talk about the kids that you work with? Because it's important for them to have a good role model. And if people aren't making that a priority in their life, like then their kids aren't going to make that connection. Yeah. So working with kids from three to 18, one is just a very wide range, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah. So I see new parents and parents who their last kid is 18. You know, yeah. so I see those relationships too. And the new parents obviously come in with a very different energy because it's exciting. <laughs> brand new. It's brand new. They've been beaten down for 18 years. <laughs> they <laughs> worry that everything is wrong yeah. or that they're going to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the parents that I see do that, it rubs off on the kids a lot. And mm-hmm. the kids become worried about falling down. For whatever reason, like I said, I don't have kids, so... I can't give advice to anyone on parenting, but whenever I see kids that are constantly worried, they're always the ones who get hurt more because they fall and they freak out. But the parents, my my cousin-in-law has my three-year-old nephew, and when he would fall, they would clap. That's what they started doing. And so he doesn't have any fear of falling, and he just gets back up, and he has so much fun and so much laughter, and he's never been injured, you know? But then I think about when I was a kid, I would like fall and scrape my knee and freak out and think I was going to die. So I see a lot of that. And And then we get to see where our anxiety comes from. Right. And then I'm like, it starts when you're very young. And a a three-year-old isn't worried about the things that a 16-year-old is worried about, you know. Or or a parent who's in their 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever. Right. Yeah. So my, I have a couple I have two classes of three-year-olds. They both have 10 each. All very different kids. And what do you right? do with them? So our, it's called Intro to Dance, and we do ballet and tap, uh-huh. um, and then creative movement, uh-huh. right? So it's getting them, that's the hard balance to find when teaching kids, is getting them the structure, because that's yeah. part of the reason why you take them to a dance class. A lot of those kids have never been in a group activity before. They, they don't go to preschool yet. Uh-huh. You know, they've only been with their parents, so you're teaching them. You sit down, you raise your hand to talk. You, you're polite. You know, you don't talk over your friends when they're talking. 
but also letting them get out their creativity and use their imagination because that's not something that I hope to ever dull in anybody. I was going to say know? we all need to be in touch with our three-year-old self. Yeah. Oh, sure. yes. Yes. So great. So I... I always end class with a game. I tell them that they're not going to get to play it if they don't listen, but I always have them play it. Um, and one have of they them, caught on to you yet? No. <laughs> then they get really scared. Then they listen. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes what the goal is to yeah. get through mm-hmm. the 45 minutes. But we play this game called Animal Action, and it's a song, and it's this guy who talks through and says, you know, dance like a duck. And they have to walk around and dance like a duck. And it gives them the freedom, but structure too. And yeah. they all love it. They're all, it's like 15 minutes in the class. They're like, Miss Allison, can we play animal action? I'm like, oh my God, can I teach you the dance first? We do that in yoga too. And for kids yoga, they're all different kind of like animal positions. And like, again, letting kids know like this is something that you can make part of your life. It doesn't have to be foreign to you. Well, it's hard too, I think, because at some point, like you said, Christy, we all need to get in touch with our three-year-old self. And it's so true Mm -hmm. because... You're describing that, and I was like, I want to play Animal Action. Like, yes. That sounds like so much fun. We can do that after the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> um, but there are so many of us that get into this mindset. Yeah. And I really think definitely, like, as we come into our teenage years, because yes. then we're so much more aware in middle school and high school of what other people are thinking of us yes. and how we're being judged, and there's so much Fear judgment, of being different. Fear, yes. Yeah. Of being rejected, of not being a part of something, that we aren't willing to be silly, to be weird, to be Mm -hmm. different, to try something because it's fun or, you know, it's outside of the box. Like we're trying so hard to fit inside the box that once we get old enough where we're like, well, who cares what anybody else thinks? It's like, it's been so long since maybe we've actually been able to get in touch with that part of ourselves. It's so hard to get back, Mm -hmm. but so important. Find your weirdness and embrace it. I have a recommendation. Shockingly, I have a book recommendation. um, It's called How to Be an Explorer of the World. And it's a super cute book and it's for adults. And it's about looking at these experiences as like you're a preschooler and like you can use it with preschool kids too but one of the things that sticks out to me is look for faces in like shapes and I know for example at Club Pilates there's like these two knobs and like a strap and it looks like a little smiley face and it makes me happy every time I see it (laughs) yeah but I mean just like that too (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like you can give yourself permission to explore the world like you were when you were a kid, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. And it's so important because the, then again, it makes you very present. It brings yeah. you into that present moment. Mm-hmm. You're being mindful and mm-hmm. you're actually creating joy for yourself because usually yeah. you're having fun. Yeah. Doing what you're doing and being silly or being curious. Well, if you're having fun, you might not be doing all the work you need to be doing, like in order to accomplish God what you need. you don't work 24 hours I a day. Yes. It's hard. And it is. It is. It's hard to get out of that mindset, yeah. but so important. Yeah. And I think I get the... It's like the best job in the world, you know? You get to be a three-year-old for 45 minutes. Yes, oh, I love it. You know? Um, so I get to see that. I get to see that pure joy. They haven't really experienced that. Right, they're not worried about that, what That right. life is hard. Yeah, they haven't experienced it yet. And, like, their version of life is hard is, like, I didn't get a cookie. You yeah. know? Like, that's... <laughs> that is hard. I mean, yeah, it is. Still. <laughs> but still. Only if you count the points, Gretchen. Okay. <laughs> And then when I get up, uh, the bulk of our students right now are in that, like, freshman, sophomore year of high school. Ooh, so oh, so yeah, talk about, about that. that. Yeah. yeah. What's so that like? It's interesting. 
I often relate to them more than I relate to some of my coworkers because mm-hmm. I am only 24. So I'm only 10 years older than some of these yeah. Yeah. kids, even less than that. And so yeah. I feel like I was just in their shoes yesterday. And we have students from all different areas of like high school, you know, different high schools, and they come together at dance. Wow. So that's one, a cool community to see. But two, I'm starting to see the one change in hormones, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they start getting a little more irritated, a little more bratty, and figuring out how to react to that and to not make them feel like this is a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. you have to embrace that. Right. But then there's also a couple students who are just starting to experience or understand what they experience as anxiety mm-hmm. and seeing how they deal with that and how they are pulling away almost mm-hmm. from dance or pulling away mm-hmm. because they think that's the stressor when in reality when you go to dance and that's how it was for me in high school it should be your escape it's mm-hmm. the same thing about working out that's why I love dance it was a form right. of meditation for me it's moving meditation mm-hmm. because you're not focusing on anything else that's happening outside you're focusing on your plie your tendu your right. turn right. your you're leg, forced your to be in that moment yes you have to be and mm-hmm. if you're not that's when it starts to become that work yeah. that we talked about How earlier. How much do you see people that you're working with that are in high school struggling with body image or things like that? Or do you see it at all? It's d- difficult to say. Maybe um, they don't talk about it. They don't talk. Well, one, I'm their teacher, right? So I'm an authority figure mm-hmm. in that sense. So they don't necessarily come to me with it. Um, we did have one student who had some physical things she had to get taken care of um and she was very thin very like eight pack muscular short Mm -hmm. like can do all the flips and the tricks and all the stuff very good dancer and this procedure she had to have was going to affect her metabolism Mm -hmm. and she freaked out that she was going to lose or gain weight Mm -hmm. and i was first of all like where like there's just probably no place for her to gain weight because she's just so fit and her whole family is like that like they're just slender Mm -hmm. fit people um so i did experience that a little bit but she doesn't talk about it um at least with us with the instructors and so being mindful of i think it's most important when picking costumes really Mm -hmm. that's what i try and think about a lot the very popular costumes right now in the dance world are the tiny ones right where you're showing your midriff right it's a bra and it's a bikini at eight years old (laughs) i've seen some of those yeah yeah and we don't, luckily, the studio that I work with has a very similar mindset to me where that's not appropriate. Yeah. You know, it's not appropriate for an eight-year-old to show their stomach yet. So I actually, you can be cute without showing your stomach, believe it or not. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. I have a friend whose daughter's in high school, so she's not young, young, but young. And they were selling calendars for their dance team for school. Uh-huh. And um, she said, we're selling these calendars, but I told the parents that I don't want my daughter included because they had very risque costumes on and she's like because these people are making me think that I'm crazy but like I don't want pictures like that of my daughter hanging in somebody's office you know what I mean you don't know where these things are going or who has access to them and well here's the other thing too Oh, I think when it comes to parenting, it's there's no one right or wrong mm-hmm. way to do this. Right. And then also when it just comes to living your life, yeah. there's no right or wrong way to do it. Right. You Whatever you're w- comfortable with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't comfortable. And of course, there's going to be people that disagree with you. So people yeah. were saying to her, well, why do you have a problem with it? And mm-hmm. she's like, well, why don't you? And that's when I learned yeah. that parents of kids have group texts when they're involved in like... Yes. Yeah. events and stuff like that and then they're like oh my gosh these parents are going crazy but I have like these four other people that really think like me so we have like a sub group yes 
Yes, oh, it's like, so that sounds so stressful. You're like, this is so stressful. <laughs> so I didn't start competing in dance until junior year of high school. Just like my studio didn't focus on that. It wasn't as big as it is now. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So my junior year of high school, we started competing hip hop. So it wasn't mm. the short crop tops yeah. and whatnot. But I remember going there to one competition. I can't remember which one in particular. Not that I would name it anyway. But my mom, at that point, I was already driving myself. So she didn't have really anything in touch with the studio just through me. Yeah. She came to the competition. And this one studio did Cell Block Tango as their big production number, which means there's kids of all ages in it. It's like, you know, 40 people on stage or whatever. And when it talked about, we all know what Cell Block Tango talks about. It talks about all the good stuff. And they would do that. Like the spread eagle. Oh my. They did that. Oh, and they're wearing yeah. bikinis, oh. basically, with sparkles. Oh, jeez. And they're my age, which I was 17 or 18, mm-hmm. and younger. And my mom was furious because that she's just like, that's not... You shouldn't be telling a six-year-old that that's what you need to do to win. Right. And they sexualizing. Won. Yes. yes. They won the competition. Mm-hmm. They won first place, everything. So it was like... Yes, they had great technique, but they had plenty of other dances that had great technique. Mm -hmm. Why that one? Because they were wearing the short shorts and the short tops and they were sexualizing and all this stuff. Like, why is Cell Block Tango your production number? Yes. Well, and then people start with the comparisons, like, about where do I measure up? Right. Or do we have to do that yeah. if we want to win? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it right. starts so I have this... to put myself out there more than maybe I'm comfortable or, mm-hmm. yeah. And I definitely experienced that in my own mentality, like through college. It was, that's where some of my body issues mm-hmm. with myself came into play. It was like, well, if I don't look like that, then why would a guy want to date me? Mm-hmm. Because it's all about how you look, right? Mm-hmm. That's yep. what That's what it taught me. A yeah. lot of that stuff is what, and what TV teaches you, mm-hmm. at least did. I think it's a little bit better now. But, and I but yeah, but it's still out there. People yeah. don't realize, what's the saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So yes. where one person might be like, oh, that's a really attractive person. The other person might be like, I don't think so. Or like culturally speaking. But I think being a woman, I mean, that's where it came into play for me, like you said, in relationships or body image because... I had to think about this too because I was like, oh, I probably didn't have too much body image, but I developed early and I feel like when people make comments to you or they feel, uh, in college especially, I can't tell you how many times people have rubbed past me Mm -hmm. in a bar or like, I hate it. And so like when people just feel the need because like maybe you have developed or whatever that they have the right to touch you in a way that you don't want to be touched Mm -hmm. or they think that it's funny or, hey, we're really good friends and I'm just going to like grab your butt. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being a dancer, I was very used to comments at an early age about my dancer legs. Mm. That Mm -hmm. was like... I'm sure that made you super uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, now it does, but I think at the time it was almost a sense of pride. Because I had, you know, I had a nice butt. Mm -hmm. I had good legs. And Mm -hmm. that's what guys were interested in. So that was exciting. As a dancer, especially if you're like a ballerina, that's all they talk about is they talk about your body. They talk about your form. Mm -hmm. They talk about your legs. They talk about your feet. They talk about every single part of you. And that's something that for women, probably for men, I think it doesn't affect them as much because we don't, if that's the only place that they're getting it as a male dancer, mm-hmm. okay, fine. Yeah. But women, we get that from so many other places, like the media mm-hmm. cutting us up into pieces for yeah. like advertisements. So all we see is a leg or a belly or breasts or butt. So then we start thinking of ourselves in pieces. Yes. 
We went to a training recently, and was it there that they talked about how body image is specific to advertising? Yeah. And so much of our culture is you have to eat this certain thing. You have to look this certain way. You have to buy. And the consumerism, the consumer-driven society that we live in is crazy. I mean, because at the end of the day, think about everything that you have right now being enough. You are enough. Your wardrobe is enough. Like, if we're not wanting for things, then, you know, I think that people feel like they're going to be bored or they're not Mm going to be, like, motivated enough. But there's plenty of things to keep yourself busy. Yeah, there really is. You don't have to be, like... Trust me, you can find them. Right? Yeah. You can find yourself to keep busy with things you already have. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And continuing to cultivate the things that you have that you actually enjoy. Yeah. Instead of, I think, what we often feel, which is, what's the next thing? Yeah. I I, I need more. And Mm -hmm. we talked about that before, feeling like if you're content with what you have, there's something wrong. You're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. You're not striving for enough. You're lazy. And that doesn't have to be the case. You can want more, but it's also okay to say, I actually really like what I have, and I just want to continue working at this stuff Mm -hmm. that I've already cultivated. And that goes against, though, media and advertising, because what their point is, is that if you're satisfied, well, then they're out money. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So if you're like, well, screw this. I like who I am, and I like the way that my body is, and I'm going to keep working on that. I don't need to be on any diets. Then they don't get the money. Yeah. Right? Right? Well, and Allison is much younger than us, so she, I'm guessing you grew up in the media. You know what I mean? Like... Our oh, technology, like media yeah. Stuff. Can you talk about it's, social media and the influence of that on, you know, kids? And as a child, I would have not wanted so much of my life out there. So I kind of grew up in this generation where we experienced both, right? Mm-hmm. So I was born in 94. But like cell phones didn't become that big yet, you know? Yeah. Like they didn't hit until mid-2000s, I would yeah. say, right? Yeah. So I grew up with like my early childhood very much outdoors and very much, mm-hmm. I would come home from school when my grandparents were babysitting us and my grandpa would have math problems for us to do my grandma would have arts and crafts. <laughs> and that's what we did, yeah. you know? And I Your grandmother it. sounded amazing, by the way. You've <laughs> talked about her a lot. I don't know yeah. if that's the same one, but yeah. Both so. my grandmothers are amazing. Yes. Or my one has since passed, but they like I was just very lucky to yeah. have very good family. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, like, I remember when MySpace started, and I remember when Facebook started, Mm -hmm. but I was young, right? So we had AOL and Messenger, Mm -hmm. that was big. That was a very big influence in elementary school for me, because it was, like, creating the perfect profile. (laughs) And for for those of you who had AIM, like, you can, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but it was, like, finding that layout with the perfect color and the perfect font and the perfect song lyrics and putting (laughs) whatever, like, date you started dating your boyfriend or whatever it was. It was all about that appearance. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom is very resistant to change in technology. Mm -hmm. Very resistant. So we had dial-up forever. So I would want to leave my away message up because I thought it was, like, very well put together, right? I wanted everyone to see (laughs) it. I worked really hard on that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I thought really hard. I searched for that quote. Yeah. Right. Like, I picked that font. Yes. (laughs) And um, so we'd be downstairs eating dinner. My mom would pick up the phone and it would have the, like, (laughs) she would get so mad at me because I left the internet running. Right. And then no one could call the house landline because that's whatever. Whatever. Right. My mom literally had a VHS, like, recorder that she would record all of her shows on until two years ago. (laughs) Like, she's just resistant Mm -hmm. to that change. So I feel like I had a good balance. Yeah. But, um... I think a lot of people are, but then at the same time, there was a guy at the Apple store and um, he was talking to my mom and my sister was like, it was amazing because mom said, you know, I'm older, so I can't figure out these things as much. And the guy was like, 
it doesn't matter about age. You know, these things are made for like two year olds. <laughs> right. It's like you can't use that as an excuse. I mean, I think what you were talking about, how when we had dial up Internet, like you could go on a computer and like really screw things up. But now that's not really a thing. Right. And I think I experienced a lot of all of my bullying first via AIM mm. Wow. before I experienced it in school. So it was, like, I was very severely cyberbullied all through elementary school. And it would, it had things to do with, like, people would make fun of how I ran. Like, who, what? Yeah. Because I ran like a dancer with my toes first and not my heels first. So it looked weird or whatever. I was made fun of for how much I danced. And it was all coming to me via instant messenger. Uh. So it was right there, right at home, always people, like we were saying, you're never going to say to someone's face, you're fat and you're ugly. Yeah. You run weird. You look funny. But I'll type it. But I'll type it. And people will do that to feel good about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. People will comment it and they'll start their own private Mm -hmm. messages about it. And it was hard. And, like, that happened on Facebook then in high school. When I was in high school is when Facebook started to be allowed for high schoolers. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was all very new. I wasn't allowed to have a Facebook until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, me and my friends would post videos on each other's walls and, like, pictures on each other's walls, like, talking because you wanted people to see it, because you wanted people to know what you were doing Look because at what I'm your doing, life yeah. was mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember... There were these two girls that went to a different high school, but of course you're all connected then via the internet. Absolutely. And they posted something calling me like a duck face or like something along those lines where it was very cyberbullied based on like one photo saying that like I looked this way online, but I was super fat in person and all this stuff. And also then I look at high school, I'm like, how could you have ever said that about me? But I thought (laughs) it because people were saying it, right? And so then I see on my Facebook memories all these posts coming and, like, people then messaging me and putting on my wall, like, oh, did you see what these stupid girls said, blah, blah, blah. Did you see what they wore at TPH, which was, like, our 7th and 8th grade party or, like, you know, things like that. So that's how I grew up with all the social media starting. Mm -hmm. And I think I got Instagram when I graduated high school or, like, in my senior year. I think that's when it started coming out. So... That was a weird time, too, because it was like you're just posting a picture, mm-hmm. but you want it to be the perfect picture. Right. And who are you following? Like, who influences right. you and who do you influence? I have some yoga students that are like, oh, my gosh. Once I started doing breath work and yoga, I immediately went on and saw, like, all of these people that are supposedly of the yoga life and the mindset that are really in it to just show that they Get can followers. make the... Yeah, and make the best moves. And one of my, my anatomy teacher, Jamie is amazing. And she is an amazing yoga instructor. She teaches to a lot of different people, but she said that she was left out of a yoga festival because she didn't have enough followers on Instagram. That's crazy. It is. It's crazy. And and she's an amazing person and teacher. I love you, Jamie, if you listen, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's just, I mean, and people that buy their followers or that they want to reach 5,000, 10,000. And they celebrate it. Yeah. They celebrate these followers. And even on Instagram. So I run the Instagram account for the dance studio. I also have the password for Club Pilates. And then one of the dance companies I'm with, like a lot of people just ask me how to do Instagram, which I didn't know I was good at it, but it makes me feel good. I guess when people ask me, they're like, how do we add like the swipe up link? Yeah. Right. So you see those stories on influencers or any of these like famous businesses, like, you know, Nike is a swipe up yeah. to get this. Yes. You have to have at least 10,000 followers. 10, I mean, Imagine 20... we looked into that because I was like, oh, this is really cool. I saw other people do this. I'd love to do that one. I would say, hey, we have a new podcast out. Swipe up. Swipe up and we'll take you right to it. So I'm searching for it. Yeah. Instagram only allows you to do that if you have 10,000 followers. That's minimum. a lot of people. It is. 
So anyway. if you're listening, please follow us on Instagram <laughs> if you would like us to give you swipeable links. Yes. Yeah. But good tell your friends. It's uh-huh. almost, I compare it to, because um, when they were asking me about it, I was like, it's like keeping the lower down. It is. Well, yeah. and all the analytics. So like yeah. why certain things pop up on your Facebook feed, on your Instagram feed, how that happens with you know, if you're following uh, like hundreds of people, why are you seeing certain things? And now with the ads yeah, that Facebook yeah. does, that, because they're pulling, and even Instagram too. Because they're pulling your they're pulling your information. Yeah. And what yeah. are you searching? And what are your interests? And what are your friends' interests? Mm-hmm. And what are you clicking on? Mm-hmm. Because I am into a lot of fitness things and I like some of that, how much of the, oh, do you want to have a diet? Take you want to be on pill. this diet? Yeah. You want to take this pill? Yeah. Look at this wrap. How about cinch your waist? Like, yeah. And I'm like, hide, 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 because it really gets <laughs> to you. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I was talking with someone, apparently, I don't know how true this is, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't research it, yeah. but apparently Instagram uses your front-facing camera, and when mm. they see that like your pupils dilate because you like something, they start showing you more of it. So on everyone's explore page, you know, like when you go to Instagram and you click that little button, I'm going to write the little magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Everyone's discover page is different because it's based on what you like or whatever. But I was noticing, yeah, what you follow, what your friends follow, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was noticing that things that I hadn't liked before, but probably piqued my interest were kept popping up like certain memes or funny things, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we were talking about, I'm like, that makes sense because I would probably look at it and maybe I didn't double tap, but my eyes dilated. That's so weird. It's so weird. And like... And feels like such an intrusion. Well, but it also, I think, invades your ability to think clearly about things Mm -hmm. because so all of that feedback whether it is from things that we're seeing on social media feedback that we get from our social group and from the people around us both like positive and negative well and what kind of comments we're getting from people that we don't even know and that don't know us and they're like maybe looking at a physical attribute that you have that they find to be attractive and so then you're basing your self-worth over you know yeah who is giving you that kind of feedback? Yeah. So talk about body image. Oh, My goodness. Man. Well, and just how much it messes up the way that you even view yourself. Like I talked about before how important it is that you like you. And it doesn't matter what other people think. But in this sense, it's the reverse so yeah. much more that yeah. is being forced on us that it's way more important what other people think. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you think that you're okay. Does everybody else on Instagram yes. think you're okay? And we, yes. we have to get out of that because there's no way to please everybody. You can't have it so that everybody thinks that you're the best. You're well, and everybody yeah. wants to be an influencer. Yeah. I don't. Do you? I don't. No, me either. What about I, you, Allison? I mean, I wouldn't mind the influencer posting <laughs> on Instagram, but that's okay, not like the thing. I would the like, goal. I would like to do the swipe up post, but I don't want yeah. to be an, an influencer no, well, in order and to get I'm it. not going to like... I would love to influ- <laughs> influence people in a way that makes them feel good. You know, mm-hmm. Joy. Oh, I love Joy from Row House. Yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, I go to your page just to look at the quotes. And I'm like, really? You like them? And she's like, oh, yes, keep it up. And I'm like, that makes me happy. Yes. Somebody that I know is like, oh. Keep doing what you're doing because I appreciate yeah. it. I see you for who you yes. are. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, a genuine comment. A I, real influencer. Yeah. I mean, and all of our jobs like nine to fives quote unquote which I don't have one it's hourly but you know that's right. you're influencing people that is yeah. my job I am an influencer mm-hmm. I influence kids I influence adults like you influence people that you come in contact with and that's kind of how I've started to view social media as it's just another outlet to like yeah reach out to someone and I started doing these like I guess 
people are calling them vlogs, which feels weird to me, but just like recording myself talking about whatever yeah. is going on in my life. And I just did one before I came here about the podcast, but Yay. <laughs> one of my friends from the dance company I'm with, Leah, she messaged me and she was like, I love when you post this. And it just like made me feel good yes. because I was so nervous and so like, what are people going to think if I start yeah. just like talking to a camera? Because yeah. that's what influencers do to make money. And that's not necessarily why I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, right. it's because I watch, like I post a lot of quotes on my stories too, but when I see yours, it helps me. And when I see other people talking yes. to the camera, it helps me. Yeah. So why can't I be that person? And having conversations with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Sending them a message. or th- Those are ways of connecting with people. There is an absolute difference between an influencer, yeah. like you said, who's pushing a product or who's doing something that in a way that isn't genuine, right? Yes. Like when you are genuine, when you are authentic, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you do what makes you happy. And if you like yeah. doing these videos or these vlogs or whatever, these yeah. posts, and you like spending time on social media, awesome. But if it's making you feel horrible about yourself... Maybe take a step back and just think about how you're interacting with it and how it's affecting your relationship with yourself. Oh, absolutely. Or if you're getting stressed out about what do I need to post Mm -hmm. next or this or that. With the suicide rates, I can think of two off the top of my head. There is a gentleman maybe in Britain. It was like on a reality show. And I think he was the second person that was on the same reality show that committed suicide because they were trying to live up to expectations and not feeling happy with their own lives. There was a young girl, 27 years old in New York City. She was apparently very famous and traveled the world and posted all these pictures of food. And like people were like, um, yesterday she posted this thing. And then she had left a note saying, you know, for 10 years, I've been struggling with not killing myself, but yet... Look at my Instagram page. Like I can tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, even it was Kate Spade in yeah. 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Was it 2018? And Anthony Bourdain, both yeah. of them, yeah, like almost very close to each other. And look at all the stand-up comedians. Yeah. I mean, like the the abundance in that community of people that struggle with depression mm-hmm. is unreal. And they're they're trying to they use comedy to help with that, which yeah. is great. And it's great for me because it helps me deal yes, with things. Right. But then they think that they can only be this way. And that's, you know, the world's not black and white. No. No. And I have tremendous respect for Jim Carrey. I really like him because he comes out and talks about that a lot. And he says, he he had a quote out that said, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so that they would know that that's not the answer. Yeah, but how much it is actually horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes more money, more problems. Yes, right? Exactly. Sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that it's even more important that we have these communities of people and that we empower one another and that we support each other. So I'm very happy that Allison came on to talk about yes, all of thank this. Thank you so much for coming. Thank this you for having so me. This so great. Really appreciate you coming on and being so open about your experiences. Yes. And if you're in the area and want to check out um, an intro class, you can find Allison at Club Pilates. And where do you teach dance? Also, because you um, have adult classes too. Mm-hmm. Dance Explosion Art Center. It's right around the, cl- uh, the corner from Club Pilates North Hills. So And follow her on Instagram too, because she needs a swipe up option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to swipe everybody we all gotta get swipe ups yeah that's, that's the goal we'll now. link you in there i'm like mad at instagram for only allowing that for Me certain too. people it's not fair Me so. too. we'll file a complaint <laughs> thank you for listening to conversations to connect with christy and gretchen if you like our show want more information and want to connect with us go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on instagram 
We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.